Hello and welcome to Bondcast, a podcast series where we discuss our views on the latest themes and events shaping rates markets. I'm Imogen Bakra, UK rate strategist, and I'm joined today by our US market specialist, Dan Navrizi. Uh, now, I know I'm introducing the pod, but since it, we are literally recording fresh off the back of the Bank of England, Dan, I'm going to hand straight over to you so we can talk all about that. All right, well, let's, let's talk about the Bank of England. What did we learn today? Yeah, what did we learn? Well, um, I think this was a huge shift in their policy reaction function. We've learned really that they're kind of abandoning this, um, you know, gradualist policy rate rising approach that they'd had. They've become much Uh, more sensitive, it appears, to near-term inflation and the upside risks to that inflation outlook uh, than uh, longer dated and and signs of more persistent inflation, which they were previously looking for. Um, It kind of disregards their their previous guidance, I think. And and although they've been, they were change the language to suggest that, you know, policy is not on any set path and and, um, they'll be data dependent in the future. And, you know, even they went to lengths of where the previous language said that any further increases would depend on the data. They now say any further changes would depend on the data. So, you know, they're really trying to not back themselves into a corner in terms of what this means for rate rises or otherwise in the future. Um, It just feels like their reaction function has changed and they are much more sensitive than we have previously considered to um, near-term high inflation, to the extent that they are telling us that they are willing to hike the economy more um, and and push that economy into a recession in order to get inflation down lower over their projection horizon. So they hiked 50 basis points today. I probably should have said that up front, but I'm presuming everyone who's listening knows that. They hiked 50 basis points today, and I may sound a little bit despondent in my tone because we were in the 25 basis point camp. Um, but the revision to the forecast, I guess, was pretty critical and that they, we saw big revisions, down revisions to the growth forecast. So they see a recession now starting in Q4 and lasting for five quarters, Q4 2022. So that takes us all the way through 2023, they see a recession. But actually on their inflation projections, they have inflation lower over that two to three year horizon uh, than they did last time, although they have obviously revised up their near term projections and it it really feels like that is what they are reacting to. So a big step change, we think, from from the Bank of England today and and a bit of a confusing one as well, because you would have assumed that a bank that was forecasting a recession wouldn't move uh, in the biggest clip that they've been moving yet in in the cycle. But but there we have it. Yeah, even even a bigger recession than the last time around. But uh, and I appreciate this might be you know really a rapid reaction to the meeting, but what do you think it means for a policy outlook, kind of a little bit in the future? Yeah, so we are recording this literally just before two p.m. on the Thursday, so we haven't had long to kind of digest the the meeting and the press conference, and we haven't officially updated our call, but. So I don't want to kind of give specific timing of rate hikes and and, uh, sizes in this pod yet until we've kind of agreed on that. But I will just say that I think, you know, to the extent that this is a change in the reaction function, this uh, increases, I think, the chances that we get more and bigger 
rate rises in the very near term. So to put that into context, we only had 25 basis point hike in uh, November of this year and then an additional 25 basis point hike in February. Uh, but I can't see why if they've gone 50 basis points at this meeting, really on the basis of kind of, you know, being scared about the near term inflation pressures and, and wanting to react significantly against those, they would feel compelled to not do 50 again um, in one of the next meetings. So um, I think we will be revising up our rate rise forecast. Uh, we will be bringing forward some of that tightening and, and probably looking for more 50 basis point hikes over, over the near term. But perhaps we can report back next week with a, a more official forecast on that. Yeah, I'm sure you'll get a pass for tweaking your views as, you know, as we get more information with this <laughs> one. <laughs> It, but past the interest rate outlook, how about QT? Did we get anything more on that side? Yeah, so, well, I was going to say as expected, but I suppose as expected off the back of uh, Bailey's Mansion House speech last week, um, or two weeks ago, whenever that was now, we got a lot more detail on QT. But to be honest with you, it was pretty much all in line with what we were expecting. So um, the timing, they will vote, kind of have a confirmatory vote on this in September and look to begin active sales after that meeting, but before the end of the month. So that meeting is on the 15th. 15th of September. Um, they have already announced that they intend to start corporate sales on the 19th of September. Um, so I think we could be looking at a similar time frame then. Um, in terms of the size, very much in line with what we were thinking. Um, they say a total rundown in the balance sheet of 80 billion. So pretty much at the midpoint of that range of 50 to 100 billion that Bailey gave a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and that was almost exactly in line with our forecast. So taking the natural runoff profile, uh, you, the kind of natural uh, maturity profile of, of bonds that will redeem over that 12 months from September onwards, that implies a pace of, of sales of about 40 billion a year or 10 billion a quarter. Um, those sales will be conducted equally across the maturity buckets as we expected. Um, the maturity buckets Again, as we expected, how many times do you think I can say that on this pod? <laughs> Just making up for the fact that we got the rate call wrong. Um, uh, will be um, exactly as they were when we when they were doing QE at the latter stages of QE. So three to seven year short, seven to 20 mediums uh, and 20 year long. So, so that not to three year bucket will roll off um, just naturally and, and they won't be conducting sales. Uh, in terms of high level details, I think that's probably... The most important things, you know, as as we thought, then they wouldn't kind of they will be avoiding DMO dates and they won't be selling gilts um, that the DMO intend to supply over a four week period. So the two weeks prior to their uh, gilt sales and the two weeks after, if a DMO supply event uh, falls into either of those four weeks, they won't put those gilts on the list. But um, in any auction, all the other bonds in that maturity bucket will be available for sale. Um, so I think that for markets at the moment, without going into all the nitty gritty, that's probably the, the key takeaways um, on the QT side. But um, like I say, we will find out more exactly how those auctions will take place, I think, in the coming weeks. Uh, and most of those details, I think, uh, were not just in line with what we were calling, but, but in line with, with market as well. And with all adding all the interest rates, the forecasts and QT and everything, how does that leave your market outlook going forward? Yeah, well, it's a little bit confusing for markets. I mean, as we write, 
curves are bull steepening. So the front end's leading the way lower and the market has taken this fairly dovishly. It hasn't repriced much of the very near-term rate rises. So they still have 100 basis points of tightening in by the end of the year. And prior to this meeting, they were looking for about 150 basis points. So now that we've had that 50 basis point hike, uh, that part of the market hasn't moved that much, which I think is probably right now. You know, as I was saying, I think it was us that were offside and, and we probably need to revise up our projections for rate rises. Beyond that, though, the kind of two year point, you know, the Bank of England are forecasting a, a protracted recession. Um, so it, it does feel like that should weigh a bit more on front end rates. But the extent to which this was really a dovish meeting and, and, and that feels like that's how the market is reacting, I think is a little bit unclear. Um, for longer end rates, you know, we, we had been bearish and I think this probably doesn't change that much for us, just given that we'll be adding more of a kind of hawkish profile from our perspective at the front end. You have the QT details. I do think QT being across the curve weighs more heavily on the back end uh, and that is starting slightly earlier than we might have have otherwise anticipated and you know as we've spoken about on this pod before that just adds in with um kind of uh, already existing fiscal risks and then you add on uh, further likelihood of fiscal easing from the Tory leadership election etc I think that should all weigh on the back end of the curve but obviously the extent to which you know growth is expected to be much weaker than um, that kind of counteracts that that a little bit um, but we will be refining all of our forecasts, both for bank rate uh, and further out the curve in due course. Um, and hopefully we can report back on all of that uh, next week, because like I say, we are literally hot off the press on the Bank of England. So with that, how about we switch over and just talk about the US markets? I can take myself out of the hot seat for a second. But we've had a bit of a snap back in, in US rates this week. Uh, markets were quite focused on a potential re- session but do you think that is shifting now and and why is that happening so uh, to, to backtrack a little bit into last week's fomc meeting and you know, our initial take from that was that what markets did was exactly what the fed would not like to see you saw buying in risk assets you saw buying in fixed income pretty much a broad-based loosening of financial conditions and while you're trying to combat inflation that is exactly the opposite of what you want to see so uh, we were left with the impression that we were going to get this flurry of FOMC officials, uh, local Fed presidents uh, coming out to say, well, don't relax too fast. You know, we're still doing a lot. We're, we're willing to go still above neutral. We're willing to tighten into next year as well. Uh, some part of the, you know, the more hawkish side are saying that we should front load even more. I don't know if we can keep using front loading. I mean, we're already a few months into the into the hiking cycle now, but it still feels kind of like the beginning of it. And uh, the other side are saying we should still hike a lot and maintain uh, and not, don't focus on cuts. That's really not happening next year. But I think the combination of no matter how you look at that, both of those things imply a terminal rate that's higher than what the market is pricing right now. And that's pretty much what happened. Risk assets, I'll admit, held off pretty well, but rates saw a full across the board snapback higher yields because uh, because central bankers pretty much reminded us that 
listen, this growth might be showing some weakness, but inflation is our number one priority. And if it comes at the cost of some, some aggregate demand, it is what it is. We have to, you know, we have to think about the longer term repercussions and, uh, and tame, and tame inflation. And what that means is pretty much like, uh, a flatter curve and now you're seeing you know spreads like as i'm saying this like two cents treasury spread is something at like negative 35 base points which is uh, pushing historical levels and it's it is hard to imagine a, a standard scenario where it would maintain at this level but you know we could also see even further uh, flattening and going to more negative territory because i'm not so convinced that we're about to see you know, a, a capitulation from central bankers from the Fed and them taking a victory lap saying we want this inflation. There's a lot to until the September meeting, we'll get more CPI prints. But I think it was a combination of uh, us getting reminded that the Fed is still pushing hard to uh, to bring back inflation back to closer to their target. And the other ha- the other thing being data, it wasn't really that weak. We got factory orders this week. We got ISM services. They're all above consensus. So it's not this imminent recession that uh, the markets were expecting. That's just not happening yet. Yeah, I guess that, that feels like a similar response, I suppose, to, to what we've had today from the Bank of England. So away from inflation and growth and central banks, <laughs> we also had the uh, quarterly treasury funding announcement this week. Were there any kind of major implications uh, for supply and for rates off the back of that? I like doing this kind of quarterly update where people were not interested in like in the wonky treasury <laughs> supply market now. Yeah. So a couple of implications so from a treasury coupon curve perspective, uh, listeners, I'm sure know the 20 year bond has been underperforming since its introduction in 2020. Treasury has taken notice of that, of course, and they're making a more active effort to uh, try to fix that either supply indigestion or just general uh, underperformance compared to the the things like 10s and 30s or swaps. So we got auction size reductions across the board for every single note and bond uh, by 1 billion a month, with the exception of the 20 year, which got 2 billion. Granted, that was a little bit less than what we expected. We could have seen a scenario where we get 3 billion a month of reductions in the in the 20s. Uh, that we thought would have helped a little bit more with the performance and the immediate reaction of the market was to uh you know to sell 20s versus the rest of the curve uh so it was clearly not enough but we're, we're, we have yet to see if that's gonna play out well we we could see further cuts in november uh that might targeted at the 20 year and on the other hand while uh, the nominal issues were reduced uh treasury increased tips uh auction sizes so inflation-linked products are, are going to be uh, sold in a, in I guess more of them will be in the market now because there's demand in the front end, and we also got uh, indication that there will be more bills sold into the market because uh, you know media also picks this up too, and the whole uh, supply shortage or sorry collateral shortage in the front end, all the money that's going to the Fed facilities like the overnight. Uh, RRP, it's just an indication that there's clearly an ability to absorb uh, things like treasury bills, which are also evidenced by how much they trade and yield below other similar uh, front end like funding rates and, uh, you know, secured rates as well. So, uh, so with that, we're going to get more bills, more uh, treasury, you know, like uh, more inflation protected securities, 
and we're going to get fewer coupons, a little bit of a rebalancing. And a lot of that comes on the back of uh, Treasury reassessing the supply demand picture, but also kind of taking into fact that the fiscal situation was actually better than what was forecast earlier. Strong revenues, uh, below trend expenses. So you know the deficit certainly will be significantly narrower than what we had envisioned earlier this year. And uh, that gives Treasury some flexibility to play around with how they want to fund both QT and the lower amount of expenses in aggregate. Great, thank you. Well, look, let's wrap this up there. I'm sure I've got lots of things to do when we get back to the desk, including sorting out this bank rate forecast. So uh, that's probably enough for this week, but we will catch up next week. Uh, and just a reminder to our listeners that if they, enjoyed in, if they enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to hit the like button and click subscribe so you can get the latest episodes as soon as they're available. Thanks, see you next week.